This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Probably honestly why I even agreed to go on the show is mm-hmm. not allowing myself to have a mundane life. I think when people close to you pass, you have to kind of live for those people in a certain way and take advantage of opportunities that they didn't get to have. everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. Let's all just take a deep breath. I feel like we need it. If you are listening from Bachelor Nation, which I feel like most of you are, what a time to be Bachelor Nation person. There's so much going on in the world. There's so much going on just within Bachelor Nation. And I just hope that we are all taking time for self-care, taking breaks from social media, and just taking care of yourself. There's a lot that we are taking in from day to day, and it's hard to not let it affect you. It's hard to not feel the emotions that are going around in the world. I know I feel them, and I just hope that we're all just taking steps back when we can for ourselves. I was actually on a podcast with Blake his podcast this week and we were talking all about the Taylor stuff and just everything that's going on. I mean, there's literally something new each day. So maybe there's something that comes out today when this goes out, but it's just, it is so much and people are constantly like say something, comment on it, make a statement, which I totally understand. I just hope that we all know if you know me, if you watch the things that I do, if you follow me on social media, that I just try to represent what I want to see in the world versus me making direct statements to what is happening. I don't necessarily feel like everything needs a statement. Everything needs to be reacted to quickly. I mean, we saw that with the Taylor stuff. I feel that she reacted to what was happening too quickly. She should have taken more time and created an actual statement and an actual apology, um, but she didn't. And if you don't know what I'm referring to, Taylor Nolan in Bachelor Nation, she was a big advocate for the BIPOC community, which... She was doing amazing things in that regard, but now all of these tweets from 10 years ago have come out, and I would say go look them up, but honestly, they're horrifying and just disruptive to all communities, and I just, I don't think that necessarily we need to be bringing more of that into our lives. I think we've seen it, just know that's what's happening. So yeah, all of this to say, we all know what's going on, we're all aware of it, I just I hope that we are all, because of the things that are happening in the world, that we're taking care of ourselves, that we are taking time to reflect and to focus on what matters to us, who we find important, and seeking out people that inspire us and can lead us through times like this. That's what I have to say about that. Um, Today, we have an amazing guest on, Elise. She's one of my good friends from my season, Colton's season of The Bachelor. Elise was always the mom of the house. She was the one that kept us all kind of together. And we talk all through her experience. She was unique, and she was the first girl that left on our season on her own. She's got a lot of great advice on dating. I mean, my girl has been through some dating experiences so I highly recommend listening to that to this episode just for that. She also just has great life advice. She's been through some things in life that were very difficult and has used them just to create perspective for how she lives her life today. So, so many great takeaways from this episode. So yeah, tune in, share it with your friends who could hear it, who needs that breath from the beginning of this episode. 
and who can relate to some of the things that Elise has been through. So yeah, before you do listen, guys, please, if you could give the five stars, share it with your friends, subscribe so I can keep getting incredible guests on the podcast, keep making this thing grow and getting it to the people that need to hear it. Really good things to come. Really excited for some of the guests that we have coming up, including Elise. So without further ado, here is my friend, Elise. Okay, let's just jump in. So Elise is here. Elise, hi. It's good to see your face again. I feel like we're actually hanging out. We have wine. Do you have wine? I have a tequila soda because I thought if we're talking, I might need something a little stronger. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. We're both drinking. So it could go either way. This could be very unfiltered. (laughs) That's what we like. Tequila sodas were always my drink of choice in the house. Same. They always hit different. <laughs> yep. I remember telling all of you guys, I'm like, drink tequila because it's the only upper that's in alcohol when we have to be up for long hours. <laughs> Literally mom of the house. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Including with alcohol. And the bartender too. So that would make sense. Your bartending background, why you would know certain tricks like that. Yeah. Until Hannah, remember Hannah G came up with her, uh, what was it? Chardonnay Happy and juice. Red Bull? Yeah. Did you ever try that yes. garbage? It was disgusting. <laughs> Right before I left I was the like, show, she gave me this. I'm like, I don't feel any happier. <laughs> no, I feel like I want to vom bomb now. <laughs> like, but it was like syrupy because of the consistency that it was. She drank that even in Paradise. I think I never understood that concoction. Oh. It was disrespectful to both of those um, juices. Yes. <laughs> I don't <laughs> never think, combine them. I don't think she'll be yeah. doing an ad for her happy juice anytime soon. No, I think that it's gone away since. I, at least I hope so. Oh, God, that was disgusting. But yeah, what do you – I mean, whatever is going to get the hours to go by while you're in the house, sure. That's make it, true. Make it work. Let's just jump into you before the show. Let's get into the show. Let's talk through all of that. So, at least I want to know because you were – as you said, like one of the older women in the house, it was an interesting season with Colton being a virgin and this dynamic between old and young. What made you want to go on the show? And then when you found out it was Colton, what made you want to continue through the casting process to go on the show? I still to this day do not know how I got on the show. I don't know if someone, because I you know ended the show a little abruptly, is just not cop to the, <laughs> the fact that they nominated me for it. Um, but I don't know how I got on the show. I have absolutely no idea. I'm very comfortable behind the camera. I've been a makeup artist for years. So it wasn't something I really thought about. But when they called, I thought, well, geez, why not? And to be a little emotional, um, I have a tattoo of 31 behind my ear um, to remind me of my sister. She passed at 31. And it was very odd how close to my 31st birthday they called me. And I thought, Maybe this is just my say yes year. I had chosen purposefully Mm. to be single the entire year of my 30th birthday. I said, I'm not going to date. I'm not going to see anyone. And then right before my 31st birthday, a love show calls. And and I'm like, all right, well, I did a year. I guess I'm going to go on the world's craziest blind date. And I sure did. (laughs) (laughs) She sure did. Did someone submit you for it? Did you like send an application out of like a whim? No, I did not send an application. I don't know if one of my friends did for me and just, mm-hmm. like I said, hasn't uh, hasn't come forward yet. I really don't know. <laughs> no sometimes idea. they submit – or sometimes people they find people through Instagram, so maybe that's why. But yeah, if you get like an out-of-the-blue call like that, it feels like a, 
a meant to be kind of thing. So it's hard to say no to something like that. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a prank call at first. And then when <laughs> they emailed me and it says, you know, abc.com, like, well, none of my friends are rich enough to buy that domain name. So <laughs> this must be real. And I just kind of went forward yeah. with it. Never thinking I would get picked. And especially when Colton was announced, I was like, oh, mm. no way. Are they going to pick someone like what, six years older than him? But there I was. And you were very unique because you had one of the first one-on-one dates. And I remember this because you and Colton connected very quickly. Was that surprising to you or have you dated younger men before? Like what was your and Colton's dynamic like? Yes, we connected quickly, but I don't know if it was really ever a romantic connection or mm-hmm. if it was more just we had this weird one-on-one date that I had, like, I mean, I love kids. You can't go wrong with having children on your date because they just make it yeah. more fun and take the tension away. Um, but exactly. also, we didn't have to think about the show in that moment. We could just be present. And because we were <laughs> essentially babysitting a whole bunch of children at a, at a park, um, it took him out of what I think we all talked about kind of behind the scenes of, are we getting Colton who he is or Colton the Bachelor? And because we had mm-hmm. so many little people running around us, um, I got to see him kind of outside of that element. And I think it connected us very quickly. But I think it was, I, I don't even know if I want to say a friendship, just of respect for each other. Mm-hmm. In that situation, I think we both just put uh, what was going on around us with the kids ahead of what the Bachelor should be, which is a romantic situation. That's true. Um, Yeah, I remember Colton in that process. He was always very put on, like, good for the role as far as, like, I'm the bachelor. I must say the speech now. I must do this thing. He was, like, very good at that. But it was hard for a lot of us to see that side of him. So uh, that makes a good point where those kids being added in just kind of removed that. Any time in that situation where you can have a real sort of date or something that feels not like you're being on a recorded at all times is – is nice. You know, they talk to kind of remove you from everyone that. talks about like you forget the cameras and to a certain degree, I think it's not that you yeah. forget them, you just don't see the cameramen anymore. Mm-hmm. Um because they're just kind of, you know, flies on the wall for the experience, but you're still aware, but when you have to be aware of 20 kids running around you and what that experience meant for the parents that were kind of in the background, you didn't see them on the show, but um, how emotional they were, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that was the one opportunity the show just kind of went away. Yeah, that's that's nice. It's very rare those happen. So and I got to eat a lot. But yeah, I remember hearing about that date and I was like, oh, that sounds like a blast. But I think it was like on Yaker or something. Someone was like, oh, I'm not trying to babysit. <laughs> or I don't remember who it was, but it was funny. And I get it, but I think, you know, the producers knew my backstory with my sister and her being pregnant mm-hmm. when she got cancer. And so that experience also was touching in a different way because I saw it. Mm-hmm. My sister be sick. I saw my poor nephew, why my sister was sick, not really have the opportunity to be a kid. He was, you know, mm-hmm. going back and forth to hospital, hospital. So it hit me in a different way. And so I think that's why him and I formed a quick connection. I just don't think we mm-hmm. got to the point where it was going to be, you know, a love story. That was something that was brought up on the date later. You were very open about your story and people really reacted to that and felt what your story was and sharing about Sarah and what you or you as a family went through. Was that like something that you wanted to open up about right away? Because it was the first date and people are always confused about why we come onto these dates and just like throw up all of our things. But it's weird how The Bachelor kind of is conducive to that? Like, was that your plan going into the night or like, how did that unfold for you? Not at all. He he knew about it to some degree beforehand. Uh, The show didn't 
show those conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. But what they didn't show that night was it wasn't me just like dumping my emotional trauma on someone, um, which in this weird scenario, you do quite early on because you're like, I only have a certain amount of weeks. So here's me. Here's all my baggage. Are you good with this? Um, but in that instance, it was more so the conversation of what I learned, what I wanted out of a partner from watching my sister's Mm -hmm. experience, because I got to see how my dad treated my mom, how her husband without, I mean, never once complained. And it's so easy to, when you're being a caretaker, he never Mm -hmm. ever complained. And I was dating someone at the time that I found out she was sick. Um, and it hit. It, it hit me hard that there was a change that needed to happen in the people I was dating because I had never been in a relationship where I knew without question that if something bad happened, they would show up for me. Mm-hmm. And so that was the conversation him and I had that didn't get shown. And the reason why mm-hmm. I said, this is what I need in a partner and this is what I'm looking for. But obviously there's only certain time constraints <laughs> on the show, what yeah. they can air. Um, so they aired the story, but maybe not my reason why for or how it related to a romantic situation. That makes complete sense because what you're looking for is something that you've seen from your past. I, and you had a boyfriend at the time, or I think he was your fiance at the time. Fiance, yeah. Kind of, because I was listening to your conversation earlier on Almost Famous, and he wasn't there for you. He wasn't what you needed in that situation, especially with something so hard when you're going through that as a family. Like, you need to know that someone can be a rock. So that makes complete sense why you were talking about that and because it, it comes off from a viewer like why is this girl just sitting here and talking about the, her deepest darkest thing on the first date but you have to take that into context and the fact that this is your one chance to sit down with him that you kind of have no choice but to like really open up if you're going to do well or if you're going to connect with them right because you get, I mean you know you're on the show we get very limited time so it might to the viewer look like word vomit um, but <laughs> it's a longer conversation that you just don't see the entirety of of here's mm-hmm you know, I hate the question now, why are you the way you are? But for me, it was, what do you need in a partner? And why did you get to this point? And my sister's story is a big part of it because I saw the men in my Mm -hmm. life that were incredible examples of what I hadn't chosen thus far. Was that difficult for you to have that conversation on national television? Terrifying. open about your sister. Absolutely terrifying. Um, I remember talking to producers and and just being scared to to share it because my family is so incredibly private. And to say that they weren't, I don't want to say they weren't supportive of me being on the show, but they just live a very small town life in Alaska. My parents do, and Mm -hmm. they didn't understand why I would want to do this. And they thought it was a bit crazy. I remember them saying, if they come to hometowns, if you make it that far, I don't know if we're going to show up. (laughs) Oh my God. And so it was a difficult decision um, to not only sign up to open myself up, but trying to protect my parents and my family's privacy. I mean, she had kids, she had a husband, protect their privacy and my sister's story, but also find a fine line of like, I have to share my side of it and what Mm -hmm. it brought into my life. It was, uh, I knew going into that night, he was going to ask about it and it was not a easy decision to talk openly about it. Yeah. Because with all of that openness comes also vulnerability and then opening up the world to comment on Mm -hmm. it or good or bad. So yeah, I can totally understand that. And she has this foundation or this uh, charity, which I'm sure you and Colton could like relate on. Um, Can you just talk a little bit on the charity? I know that you don't directly run it. Um, That was like a discrepancy, but can you just take the space and talk about the charity and how people could donate? Absolutely. So it's called Sarah's Closet. My sister was a labor and delivery nurse. And so 
Um, I think when people get sick, it's often easier to give than to try to find the right words, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because what do you say to someone that's going through something yeah. like that? Um, so there's comfort and different acts of service. And she received so many baby gifts because she was pregnant when she was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, they were in a financial situation. That those gifts weren't needed. So she brought them to the hospital and when she had a baby that she helped deliver, she would send the mom home with gifts. And there's this really touching newspaper article because we weren't aware that she did this at all as a family until after her passing. And then the nurses started to see she had made a janitor's closet basically into this re-gifting facility. <laughs> and oh as those in the article, they they talk to another nurse and they said, you know, it just became so real as those gifts started dwindling away, um, that the memory of, of her giving also went away. So the nurses, um, at central peninsula general hospital, which is a mouthful, but in our hometown of Soldotna, Alaska decided to continue on with that. And to this date, um, years later, no child has been, um, born in that hospital without having a gift to go home with, whether it's, you know, something small or they find out maybe Mm -hmm. the mom is in a financially difficult situation and she might go home with a larger ticket item, but no child has gone home empty handed. That's incredible. Yeah. I still have like my baby pillows from when I was born too. So that those are really special and they stay with you your whole life. Yeah. And it's so amazing. This morning I woke up to a message from someone I don't know, um, who just had a baby and she was like, my child's going home in this beautiful little onesie because of your sisters. Mm-hmm. And so, no, my family does not run it, um, but we like to, you know, help out where we can. But I have to just give props to the other nursing staff because they took it upon themselves to carry on something that our family wasn't even aware of, but definitely spoke to the character of my sister. That's incredible. Um, before we move on from that, what is like one thing that you take away or that you try to keep living on from your sister and your guys' relationship? Oh, that's a tough question. She just embodied living life to the fullest. And that sounds so cliche, but I think that there's a piece that came with her passing for me because yes, she passed away at 31, but she had done what she set out to do. We actually found (laughs) this really funny entry that um, I don't know if it's a homework assignment or what, but um, from her in middle school of what she wanted when she turned 30. And we got to cross it all off after her passing. She did this. She did this. She got married. She had kids. She had a career that she loved. She went to college out of state. She did what she set out to do. Um, And that's been kind of a motivating factor, probably honestly why I even agreed to go on the show is Mm -hmm. not allowing myself to have a mundane life. I think when people close to you pass, you have to kind of live for those people in a certain way and take advantage of opportunities that they didn't get to have. That's huge. And now I'm going to have it sipping my tequila. Don't cry. (laughs) I know. Oh my God. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think that's huge. And I feel like we can all forget that from like going on our day-to-day lives and like on to the next thing or feeling like we have less, but just like the simple things of just living and appreciating that and knowing to not take anything for granted. So Well, and we're in this world right now where it's so easy to compare ourselves to other people, especially, my goodness, when you come off the show, I think it's heightened to a a whole new state. Um, Mm -hmm. But with social media and even the world going into lockdown and everyone being online to find some sense of, you know, community, we get really distracted very easily in this life by work commitments, family commitments, online nonsense, just the noise of everything. Mm -hmm. And when you go through losing someone, 
it is always this constant reminder that when someone passes away, no one cares about like what label of jeans she wore, her -hmm. waist size, what she looked like. I've never had anyone come up to me that met my sister and say, your sister was really beautiful. And like, could you swipe up to her um, shirt that she wore? I know that sounds really silly, but it's just a reminder to me that she lived a life that was private, peaceful, and she was very, very happy. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't, we don't have to be so distracted by the what ifs and someone's doing something better. Just live a life that you're proud of. Yeah, I feel like we glorify the likes and the social and what you're showing as what your life is and what it appears to be online. But there's so much more to that. And there's something to say for a private life or keeping certain things private and being okay with that. Yeah. And there's beauty in the struggle too. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the work is for sure. Oof, and have we all been doing Ooh. some work since last year, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I hope. Using your time wisely, God bless. Okay, so to pivot a little bit, we all – you started this kind of trend on Colton season of <laughs> leave. <laughs> leaving on your own. I swear to God, once you did that, everyone was like, oh, we could just leave. <laughs> like, We don't have to stay <laughs> and wait for Rose. We can just head out. Cool. And you know what? I, um, I have to interrupt you. You know what is even funnier is you left, yeah. I think – right after I did the next week or so. I think so. it was a week after. And I left in a white yeah. lace dress and you left, and left in, in a, a show stopping black booty short I lace know. dress. <laughs> Thank God. Kerpa, it was Kerpa's dress that she'd worn like for hanging out around the house one day and I was like, hey, can I borrow that? <laughs> I need that. And yeah, that was my little funeral dress. I went to a I wedding and you went to a funeral. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, please explain. Okay, so I remember this day vividly when you finally decided that you were leaving. The day before, I think you spent a lot of time like alone by yourself trying to figure things out. And then the next day, your mind was made up. You were doing full hair and makeup. You were getting ready. You had the dress picked out. It was done. Um, Can you walk me through like what made you want to leave after building this connection with Colton and how that kind of went for you? You know, if I'm being completely candid, because you were there, so you can call me out if I'm not being candid. So um, I had a hot mess express night in Singapore where mm-hmm. it just kind of got to me. Singapore was rough for everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's really a first world problems when you say you were locked in a penthouse for five days. That sounds yeah. lovely. Um, it was not. <laughs> there was, we went crazy a little bit. <laughs> it was like taking the mansion and cutting it in half. And we were all Mm -hmm. together constantly. And there was just Mm -hmm. not a lot of room for alone time. And because, as you said, I was a little bit of the mom of the show, um, I felt emotionally exhausted, not only from my experience, but trying to help others go through the same experience I was going through. And I lost my shit that night. Am I allowed to say shit? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then we flew to Thailand. And as soon as we got to Thailand, I felt like, okay, maybe I can stay. I've, you know, I have fresh air. There's sun on my Mm -hmm. very white skin. People are rushed (laughs) to the hospital. Poor Kerpa. Oh, yeah. And it it was just, it was a, it was a very weirdly fun day of just being able Mm -hmm. to be off camera, be outdoors and it felt relaxing. And then one of the producers walked up and said, okay, so we know things aren't going well. How, how are you feeling? And then it all came rushing back of this feeling I'd have to make a decision now. And mm-hmm. it, it was a tough day. There was a lot of crying going on because you give up a lot to go on this experience. I hate saying this experience, but it is. It's the weirdest world mm-hmm. at like wildest blind date. 
And as much as you can say that it's silly to think that you're going to get engaged to someone after a short period of time, you're constantly reminded through this, through your time on the show, like, he's great. He's everything you should want. But there was just this factor of like, but I don't want it. Mm. And how do you come to terms with that? And also because I felt like we did have a connection. I remember you and a couple of the girls talking in Singapore and we were trying to figure out our roles with Colton and Kirpa. (laughs) So I was like, I don't know who I am to him. And she's like, you're the confidant. And we all just kind of looked at her like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, why is he telling me all this stuff? So as a friend, it felt awfully gross to surprise him and be like, I'm leaving Um, Mm -hmm. because I think it was a shock to him. And that didn't feel good. So it was just, I know I'm rambling, but it was so many different factors that yeah. that just came together that night to form one hot mess in a wedding dress. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hot mess in a wedding dress. We all remember <laughs> Um, Can you tell me this? Because this is a rumor. Were you and Colton ever passing notes with each other? Maybe. Maybe. Okay, that's what we thought. <laughs> and then the other rumor was like, okay, the producers found out that you were passing notes and they didn't like that. And then something else happened from that. Is that true or not true? <laughs> Um, I don't know how many of them kind of figured it out. I did pass him one note on camera and that was when we were in Singapore and he's like, oh, am I supposed to read this now? I'm like, nope. And it was kind of my little defiant act of like, you're not going to mm-hmm. get the whole picture on camera. Um, cause at that point I was just, I had had it. <laughs> so, yeah. You were like, I'm going to do my own roles here. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of producing my own show for, for a few nights when we were in Singapore. Cause I was just at my wit. And um, yeah, but I don't think I uh, I thought I was going to get away with it. Let's just say I didn't. <laughs> you didn't. You can, it's so funny about being in that experience. You're like, I could get away with this. This is funny. You can't get away with shit. No. Like you think that you can be sneaky, but there are eyes and ears on you at all times. Even if it's not the producers or the people that you talk to, there's like sneaky people in the background yeah. you don't know about. There's like hundreds of people that work on the show. So it's very hard to get something past them as like big as a job we think we can manage. It's not possible. But the day that you decided to leave, you were getting ready. Why the wedding dress? Like if you were to do it again, <laughs> would you have chosen this outfit or would you have gone casual? Yes, because like, I think it's hilarious. And let's just be honest. You were in the room. We were separated into two rooms. And then I think Cassie and uh, Kaylin were Kaylin in like, a their whole own, little like, penthouse yeah. separate from yeah. us. Um and everyone that was in my room knew it was coming because I'm packing. Yes. I remember you were like, do you have any eyelashes? I'm like, yep, take my eyelashes. You, take, you gave me a whole thing of eyelashes. Yeah. actually saved my life. You had, I had a whole thing of them. Great. I was giving Tasha clothes <laughs> to wear. I'm like, just send them when yes. you're off the show. Um, oh I was God. just having a garage sale in Thailand, basically, <laughs> of my wardrobe. Um, and so you guys had a pretty good idea it was coming. And I remember telling one of the producers who at that point had become my producer, saying, if I'm going out, I'm going to make, like, don't let me go out in, like, sweatpants. I'm going to look good because this is so awkward. And you were there, and the dress is actually much sexier in real life, but because of the lighting, Mm -hmm. it only caught the lace. (laughs) But really, it was, like, nude underneath. (laughs) I was basically showing. Yeah, it was hot. I think it was, like, the same version of my dress, just white. Uh It was Mm -hmm. more lingerie, floor-length lingerie, let's put it that way. But because of the lighting in the room, it looked like I was walking full bridal. Do I regret it? No. Do I think it's a hysterical choice? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But that's so true. Like, you go on the show, even I remember packing, 
And I was like, if I don't get to wear at least three of these outfits, I'm going to be so pissed because you put so much into the outfits and like the planning of that. And it's very dramatic. So I understand with you wanting to wear this like final dress. You wanted a moment. Yeah, and I got it. it was, <laughs> the, the funniest thing about it is like half of the house knew because we were in the same room mm-hmm. and they put us around the table and we're all like, we look crazy in sweatpants and you're just sitting in your little ball gown. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get up and leave and all of us are like, hmm. And everyone that didn't know was like, what's going on? What the hell is going on? And I remember they panned to me and I was like, oh, no, she looked really good, though. <laughs> like, so random. That was the we best. We just had and to then, pretend like we didn't know. And, you know, Demi, on. a couple of tequilas deep, is like, I don't know what's going on, but she looks great. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I think at that point in the house, you're just kind of like rolling with the madness. Right. Because you all, you, like, you, you come into the house and it's like fresh eyes. You think it's going to be. So great and lovely and you make friends and then eventually you're like, oh, they're fucking with us left and mm-hmm. right. This is a lot. Um, so yeah. That conversation with Colton, how long was that exit combo? Well, was it like a day? As we, <laughs> it felt like it. As we all know, yeah. we don't have, you know, our phones on us. So I had no concept of time. Plus, we were on a what, 17 hour time change, I think. Oh my God, yeah. Um, so I don't know how long it lasted, but I can tell you it lasted a heck of a lot longer than the 15 minutes that was shown. There was a lot of tears on my part. There was frustration. People pointed out that I took my earrings off at some point. Don't remember doing that. But clearly I was in fighting mode <laughs> taking my earrings yep. off. But Hold her earrings. <laughs> it, it was a long conversation, and I'm sure it was a massively confusing one for him because I kept going yeah. back and forth of, no, I like you, but – like Mm -hmm. you but and he was like but what what's going on and I just couldn't I couldn't find my words I was just tired and done at that point (laughs) did it represent like a bigger thing for you because a lot of times these conversations are the the emotional part of the show it's not about the bachelor or your relationship necessarily it's about like stuff that's happened in your life that's like pulling out was that part of it or you were just like over it I have like we saw a lot of tears and people you know you oh I regret this but what the weird thing about me is if I'm going to cry, if it's sad, something has really gone wrong, but I will cry very, very quickly if I'm up like mad and I was mm-hmm. really mad at myself, not mm-hmm. for leaving um, the situation, but for not being strong enough to compartmentalize what was going on around me. I felt like I had done mm-hmm. a pretty good job up until that point and I allowed one day in Singapore to kind of break me and instead mm-hmm. of giving myself space to check in with myself. I took that initial like feeling in Singapore and just ran with it. And I was very frustrated that night that I didn't, I allowed a whole lot of outside influences and then, like we said, the noise to, to contribute to me leaving. I would have felt a lot better if I had left knowing that it was a hundred percent something I felt comfortable doing, even if it was 24 more hours, I don't think it would have changed Colton and my story whatsoever but I was mm-hmm. really mad at myself for feeling mm-hmm. weak in that moment. It could happen to anyone. I think all of us did break in, in Singapore. Like there was a full night where we went nuts. Kurt, I remember, was scaling the wall looking for – we thought we were being watched <laughs> when we weren't camera. on camera. We literally thought there was like hidden mics or something crazy. Like we also went in the uh, – what was it? The Sauna. steam room like 30 times that <laughs> – that one week because we just wanted some privacy. That's the problem with it. It's just like you feel like you're being watched. You feel like you're doing this weird social experiment and you just want like a second to yourself and you can lose your shit. So it makes sense. Lack of sleep, 
being yeah. hyper aware of what's going on around you. And then let's be honest, it is a little bit of a mental game where you're going, okay, this person had this much time, that producer's talking to her. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. you don't, I, I was so jealous by the time I left of the girls that kind of went into this um, a little bit naive and more open than I was. Because yeah. I was just yeah. hyper aware of like, okay, they're talking to her. So something's going to happen. All right. Now this person's okay. Now, Katie, don't do what they just told you to do. <laughs> I was just too aware. Yeah. And I think Mm -hmm. it bit me in the ass. Makes sense. Knowing all of this now, would you ever go back on Paradise or another show? Mm. Two dates. If you had asked me last year, I mean, when I left the show, it was a pretty clear, like, let's not even talk to this poor girl again. (laughs) Get her her away from (laughs) us. She's been trying to ruin this show from day one. Um, (laughs) But I was – we had talked uh, about going on Paradise. In fact, my bags were packed. But at that point, Mm y'all had cried a mess down there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can thank your friend Blank for that. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, in in a weird way, he saved me because they called me and said, I don't think that this is for you. At this point, there's Mm -hmm. nothing there. So I didn't go. After 2020, um, I just – I would go just to be around people. <laughs> I yeah. miss, like, human interaction, um, which is something I didn't think I would say. Do I think it's going to happen? No. They have two seasons of two seasons. hot new girls to choose from. Um, and, yeah, I will say I would do it again only to do it differently for myself. It's almost mm-hmm. this – kind of vendetta I have not against the show but uh, against how I chose to make decisions and I would be a bit more selfish this time around I will say from seeing and talking to people generally if you were on The Bachelor and it went really well for you kind of hated Paradise unless you like met someone but if you were on The Bachelor you hated it and went on Paradise it was a much better time so it could go it could go really well we never know but if you were to choose from now we know just like Tasha's men who would you pick because there's some good she had a GQ like yes. <laughs> casting call with jobs, men. like well, well done men. <laughs> yes, thank goodness. I liked that they aged up um, last season. Mm-hmm. Honestly, huh. it, I'm just kind of removed from it because I I know that because of COVID, like there's two seasons of girls to choose from. I yeah. haven't been in any sort of spotlight since the day I walked off the show. So I don't think it's going to happen. So I haven't really invested that much time into it. Mm-hmm. What type of man are you now looking for? Because you are dating in your 30s now. It's a little different. And we're dating in COVID times. Are you dating now? What are you looking for? What's the latest with that? Um, last year, very quickly uprooted my career. So it, mm-hmm. I went into panic mode. Dating was not even something I was thinking about at the time because I've been in makeup bars for 12 years and obviously when there's no weddings there's no events going on um, Mm -hmm. that quickly changed so I kind of went into self-preservation mode for a while now that we've become accustomed to our quote-unquote new normal I've gone on a few dates nothing Mm -hmm. that you know I'm calling home to talk about (laughs) Um, but yes I think after this show and then after taking even more time off of dating you just kind of put your toe in the water and date everyone and kind of figure out what works. I am massively, massively sexually attracted to intelligence and good conversation. If you don't have a way of communicating with me that makes me feel like I can be vulnerable and safe in your presence, then it's not going to work no matter how darn good looking you are. Um, In my 20s, I dated a lot of really, really attractive men that never saw me... um, 
in a way that I wanted to be seen. And I think in your 30s, you kind of change a bit of what you're looking for to I want a partner. I want someone that I know that when times are tough, like I mentioned before, is going to be there and we can communicate even when, let's be honest, at any point in a relationship, you might love them, but you don't like them all that much. (laughs) I want Mm -hmm. to know that someone is going to stand by me like I would them. And I never had that in my 20s. Not once. Mm. And you've been through some life experiences. So I think you know from experience, like those things matter. And I mean, the looks and the abs and the stuff are fun, but like at the end of the day, like who do you want to sit on the porch with? Like who do you want to grow old with? Or even less than that, like who do you want to like hold your hair back when you're drunk? You know, things like that matter when shit's going to go down, you know? You got to make sure that they're going to stay stand by. You know, and Claire got so much crap for saying like I want someone to show up for me. People are like, mm-hmm. okay, stop saying that. That is what you look for in your 30s, especially if you are someone like myself that has the tendency to try to overcompensate in relationships. Oh, you're not giving me what I want, so I'll give you 120% to make up for the 20% you're not giving me. You just want someone that shows up and is equal and supports you the way you support them. And because I haven't had that, I am very much looking for that. I don't need Mm -hmm. someone... Um, who only allows them to be on the pedestal. I want it to be a give and take where we support each other and in work and in life. And like you said, it's going to hold my hair back when I have a tequila moment, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you got to trust. Okay, to a deeper question, have you gone on a date at all with Blake? Because I know you did like the thing at Christmas, you made him like a Christmas sweater and everyone was like, oh my God, are you and Blake dating? Oh my God, oh my God, are you dating? Everyone was asking. So, Girl, I got more DMs. (laughs) On that day, then I got probably since I got off the show. I, yeah, there's a reason we kept our friendship so silent. And you were there the day that we actually met in person. Um, it was at mm-hmm. Bachelor Live on stage on Valentine's That's Day. True. So I'm sure that added to oh, people's romantic. speculation. <laughs> I had reached out to him after Paradise, not in a way of like choosing sides between him and Kaylin, but we all know that after this show, you're not ever set up for the emotional and mental toll it's going to take on you. No. And he had a rough time for sure. He had an incredibly rough time. So I just reached out and said like, are you good? Like, And I even yeah. put <laughs> in the message, capital letters, I am not hitting on you but are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) And um, I gave him a lot of crap. And I think that in a weird way, because he had been on this pedestal in so many girls' minds, I took him down a few (laughs) steps on his ladder a bit. And it it allowed us to become surprisingly good friends. He Mm -hmm. is the person from the show that I talk to the most. And if you had Mm -hmm. asked me if I thought that would happen, Absolutely not. But have we ever been mm-hmm. romantically involved? No. He just mm-hmm. calls me with all of his dating woes. So he's turning you into his mom, essentially, like what we all did on the show. <laughs> I did his – You're so good at that. You know, if you go through – I went through a lot of life in a short amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. I dated a lot of horrible people, <laughs> some good ones along the way. But um, I dated yeah. some not-so-great choices, and it – taught me a lot about myself and it taught me a lot about what to look for. And so I think when you go through a lot, you can also have empathy for people that are going through the same experiences and have a little bit of perspective. And Blake, yeah, I'm going to charge him for therapy sessions at this point. (laughs) But yeah, we've never been romantic, but um, I chose to keep our friendship. And it was a conversation we had of 
Mm-hmm. Do we like pretend that we're not friends? And we both kind of said yes. Like it's a special friendship. And I'm sure that when you get off the show and you have his quote unquote popularity, there's a lot of people that want to take advantage of that and can mm-hmm. use it for personal gain. So it developed a trust between us that we kept our friendship a secret for a really long time. That makes sense. Um, because I didn't want anything from him and vice versa. And then I mm-hmm. got to show the horrible Christmas sweater I made him <laughs> off as our like coming out party as friends. But yeah, no, we're not romantically interested in each other. It's just good vibes. That makes complete sense. And I feel like people read into things, but the fact that you guys kind of kept it a secret, which also Blake went through some shit and all of it was on social media. So I'm sure it's just better for him and you just to keep it kind of under wraps during that time. So that makes complete sense to me. I always get questions about like, when you're dating or like trying to figure out if a guy's good for you or a girl or whatever, like what are signs from your life experience of red flags and like when someone is genuine and actually the right person? Let's talk about it. Let's get into that because I feel like you're an expert on this. Um, And everyone needs different things out of a relationship, right? Um, Based on like attachment styles and all this stuff. Yes. I need communication. And I need to be heard. And I think all of mm-hmm. us have this deep need and we can see it I mean, just on social media. We all want to be seen and we want to be heard, but we want our intimate people around us to see us authentically without all of the, you know, filters and glam and, and nonsense. Mm-hmm. I have always said, and I don't know what it is yet, but there's certain people you meet and you're like, they just get it. They just get mm-hmm. me. That amount of comfort and also someone that is just authentically themselves to the point that they can make a complete ass of themselves because they are so comfortable in their own skin allows you to be much more comfortable in your own skin when you're around them. And Mm -hmm. even if it's just friendships, I've noticed that as I've gotten older, I've picked people that have, I can be an kind of an idiot with unapologetically like I'll sing to you off key we will have karaoke in our sweatpants and I don't need to put on this persona of what I think you need from me it's either mm-hmm. here I am in all of my you know sweatpants splendor with pimple cream on my face and we're having the best time ever and mm-hmm. you I just feel like I pay a lot more attention to people um that I feel so authentically myself when I'm around them. They push me to be more vulnerable, to be more candid, and to not take life so seriously. Um, those are the people I want to surround myself with in dating and in, in regular life. And the red flags are the people that do the opposite, who are yes. jealous, who are showing their insecurities and their pain. Because we all come into relationships with baggage and trauma, right? in some degree or the other, you know, someone cheated on you. You might have jealousies that you didn't have prior to that relationship, but you need to be with a person that can hear that and you guys can communicate about it and you can take ownership. Like, Hey, you probably didn't really do anything wrong in this situation, but I'm kind of acting like a crazy person right now. It's really not your fault. Let's just sit in this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. someone who allows you to go through every emotion that's part of the human experience and just accepts you for it. And you guys can communicate about later. You can be a hot mess one night. And it never turns into a vindictive thing or someone that uses your traumatic experiences against you. Please run 
girls, boys for the hills, for someone that knows your struggles and Mm -hmm. really capitalizes on those to cause you pain verbally or otherwise in moments of conflict in your relationship. Just get out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Oprah talks about tweetable moments and that whole section of that conversation was a tweetable moment. Like so many good, amazing things. And I it can tell that you've been through this and you've really done work on figuring out like what is right for you, what is right as far as like what a person should accept into their life. And it shows. I think that's incredible. And I think with the part that you said about like how not necessarily like how they make you, but like how you are around them is a huge sign. Like if you can't figure out just based on them, but like noticing like yourself and how comfortable you are, or just like how at ease you should feel it that that's a huge component of it. If you like can't figure it out based on just like them, look with, within and just notice that and to fully I, grasp. I would say recognize their their traits that like bring you joy and make you excited to be around them and celebrate them. But you have to also we've I, I think we've all dated someone or been interested in someone where you felt like you had to chase them. You felt like you had to play these games to keep their interest. Maybe you had to, I'm never going to be around him without makeup on. I'm always going to have my hair done. I'm going to fit into this box of what I think this Mm -hmm. person wants. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have to fit into a box of what that person wants, that person doesn't want you. Mm. So stop trying to conform to that. Pay attention and celebrate their unique, you know, attributes that you like about them. But you should feel in a relationship better about yourself because that person also celebrates your uniqueness as well. Mic drop. Boom. (laughs) So good. So good. So, Elise, why are you still single, to be honest? (laughs) That's a great question from you. It's never a question I want any man to ever ask me again on a date. (laughs) No. I I mean, because people ask me that question all the time and I would be like, because I can't freaking find it. Like I know what I'm looking for and I know what I deserve and like what that is. Like I can't necessarily write every detail on paper. It's going to be a feeling that I feel, but I just haven't been able to feel that. So what is it for you? Um. I think it was kind of, you know, and I'm going to go back to you. You and I come from two totally different dating experiences, right? Mm-hmm. You, you had really not dated anyone seriously before this show. And let's be honest, you weren't dating Colton all that seriously either because you were sharing him with yeah, all of your sister wives. <laughs> but- exactly. I was like, he doesn't like me. <laughs> I don't really like him. So this is fun. But we had fun together. Um, we had fun. <laughs> but the the rest of it, I was the polar opposite. I feel like I had mm-hmm. dated and learned the hard lessons that I needed to prior going to this show. And I think that there's beauty in both of that, right? You have now a boyfriend that you love and you're kind of experiencing all these things for the first time, but at an age that mm-hmm. most people don't have their first, you know, love at, where you can go mm-hmm. into it a little bit more maturely. You're not, you know, crying when he's not passing a note in math class. But for <laughs> me, I can I think that I'm seeing that I've become a bit jaded in certain ways mm-hmm. um, and very quick to not want to fully invest because I've been there so many times. And like I said before, I know this about myself that I don't create very good boundaries around my relationships with people, um, friendships or otherwise, um, Mm -hmm. or ask for what I need. And so when I see that in someone that it would be difficult for me to say like, Hey, I need you to just like, let me have a day. Mm -hmm. I'm very quick and maybe too quick to write them off. And so in trying to figure out boundaries for myself to be like more mentally and emotionally healthy, 
um, I need to be maybe a little bit more lenient in my boundaries around someone romantically. But it is hard when you've been hurt to certain degrees. Um, you tend to protect yourself. And mm -hmm. I, th I think I've gone a little bit too, I've gotten too content <laughs> being alone. So it, yeah. it's hard for me to want to take those walls down and allow someone in, in a way that I had before knowing the hurt that came out of it. I think so many people can relate to that. I mean, I had walls built up and I didn't even really date people. So yeah, but it's like taking that risk, but also doing it for the right person. Like, I don't think anyone deserves, like just anyone off the street deserves for you to like give them your whole being mm -hmm. without them earning it first. But that is what needs to happen when it is the right person or when you believe at least that it's the right person. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is I'm such a hypocrite because what I tell my <laughs> friends is yeah, like love – I hate the like, I'm falling in love because that just sounds negative. Why, where are you falling? But <laughs> the bachelor cop yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I tell my friends, like, to be open to love, you have to be open to that person knowing you in such a space that they can hurt you. They have the ability, and maybe even more so than other people, to hurt you because you've allowed yourself to be vulnerable about everything that's going on in your life and just share your life with them. And that is always something I tell my friends. I'm like, I'm scared. And yet I'm a bit hypocritical because in the past couple of years, I have not been as quick to do that as mm -hmm. I was before. We all do that, though. We all give the best advice to our friends and just don't take it for ourselves. Girl, I but. tell you what, it's like that eat, pray. I was like, <laughs> have you ever read Eat, Pray, Love? Yeah, the book. Yes, yeah. I was, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Gilbert, where she's like, I'll give you mm -hmm. my dog, my money, my time, my energy, my turtle, like whatever you need, yeah. I'll give it to you. Yeah. And that is very much how I went into dating experiences. I think there's something beautiful in being that like open to it. Um, but then mm -hmm. you crash and burn in a couple of times and, you know, you keep your dog and your money and your time to yourself a little bit more. Yeah. So just trying to find a balance and a person that I want to allow in. Yeah. I hope and pray that he's out there and he's coming soon. If you're watching this podcast, give me a call. <laughs> Hit her up. Slide in the DMs. Please. <laughs> it works. <laughs> yes. Um, let's just do a little – some vapid questions then since we've gone so deep this episode. I know. My back uh, is sweating. I should have worn a gray shirt for this. <laughs> we got there. I didn't necessarily intend for us to do it. Um, what's going on with hair and makeup? What should we know? Because don't judge my makeup right now. But what's the latest trends, things that we should be doing with makeup? Don't Maybe even just like with COVID and – cleansing them the oh, brushes please actually i have it right in front of me clean your brushes you're wearing nasty masks you're breathing on yourself sanitize uh, your brushes you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of shampooing them every night that takes too long just use a sanitizing product in between please because masks we need to wear them but they're kind of what's gross. the dry spray that you told people about it's this. Is that it? Cinema Secrets, know. not sponsored. Um, not sponsored. It is the Swipe Cinema up. Secrets 99.9% .9 bacteria-free, quick, dry, and rinse-free formula. I just put it on I a paper that. towel. It's good for just even taking color off if you don't have a lot of brushes to choose from and you're kind of going between mm -hmm. eyeshadow looks or something. But it sanitizes things, keeps your skin from all the dirtiness that's on your brush. But the other tip I would say is be careful about what you see online and what you see on YouTube. Um, they have great okay, cameras, yes. great lighting. Drag queen makeup is beautiful, and I love drag queens. But we mm -hmm. don't need to be putting 
the majority of us um, for day in and day out makeup don't need to be baking our whole face and powdering (laughs) and contouring up the wazoo. Um, Makeup should be a creative outlet. It always has been for me. It should be a way to express yourself. If you want to look that way, I applaud you for it. But for Mm -hmm. the people that just want to enhance what they have, don't go on YouTube and watch and think that you need all of those products and that you need to draw lines all over your face. Mm. Like, don't do that. It's all kind of clickbaity <laughs> stuff to get you to watch. Put your bronzer on with a brush. Put your contour products if you want to contour on. Don't, you know, you don't need to look like a candy cane before you try to blend it out. Yeah. So yeah, leave that to the people that either want that type of makeup, which I applaud them for, or the drag queens. But I think we've gotten, hopefully, away from that a little bit and are using... Like, let skin be skin. It's never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. We don't look like we do on Instagram. And just have fun with it. I think we've gotten too technical and analytical about makeup and how it looks. Like, it's really just fun. It is fun. I've seen some crazy before and afters on TikTok lately. Like, people that don't even look like their human selves. Like, completely two different people. It's insane. And I think that's great. Like, play Mm -hmm. it up. I don't. It's just not that serious. It's just yeah. makeup. And the same way that you change your clothes, well, maybe before 2020, change your clothes <laughs> and express yourself through your attire, through your shoes, through whatever, your hair color. It's all great, but just do it because it's fun and not mm-hmm. because you feel like it's necessary to do 1,500 steps to look how you're you know, supposed to look because of YouTube. I agree. Are you still doing the makeup online tutorials and things like that? I am. I'm kind of revamping uh, the website, so it will be back up soon. Um, I wanted to make it a little bit more streamlined. And Mm -hmm. because of COVID kind of shutting down my life, my schedule was not as open and flexible as it was before because I had to go back to bartending to supplement my income. Um, So it's coming back, and I'm very excited about it. I've just been doing it kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, that's awesome. I would highly recommend it because she was our makeup. Con- <laughs> she was our mom and our makeup consultant while we were on <laughs> the television show. Because everyone asks, like, do you guys do your own makeup? I'm like, yes, but also you have to get help from your friends, like Elise, because you don't know what you're really doing. <laughs> I'll never forget listening to because, of course, I listen to everyone's you know interviews after the show just to hear you know mm-hmm. kind of be supportive and hear your guys' perspective. And you <laughs> told everyone I was threading you guys, and I will never forget that day because oh yeah, it was it was when we were in Singapore. And it was such a chaotic day. And and I ended up, I don't even know where we got thread from. And I was. It was dental floss. I oh, thought. yeah, it was dental floss. It was dental floss. <laughs> and I was threading your eyebrows, all the girls' eyebrows, the producers were giving the oh boys. Oh, my God, that's right. You know, getting rid of their unibrows. That's the first time I've ever been threaded. I was like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, you got to find fun where you can have it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like there's literally so much time while you're downtime on that show. It's actually comical the stuff that we get into it's mostly just like hair makeup and nails and threading yeah (laughs) um last question i have elise because this show is called something to share is there anything on your hearts or that you're thinking about lately that you would just like to share with my audience it can be little or big or whatever um i guess 2020 has hit us all in different ways right it's the year that will go down as just a hot mess that we never anticipated in so many different ways and I think that, and I just was having this conversation with my mom a couple days ago, there's so much chaos going on in the world and so many people fighting over things they should, we should be standing up for. Um, 
But I think in all of the chaos, there's been a beauty to last year. And I know that I feel that in myself. I struggled with mental health for the first time in my life last year um, Mm -hmm. because it, it just felt shocking to have my normal taken away from me. And I think we all experience that, but there's also been time to be quiet that we don't normally have. And I think you and I can both have a weird perception of this after being on the show where you're removed from, you know, your phone, your friends, your family. And at that point you're focused on love and Mm -hmm. this allowed the entire world to be quiet and sit and take away those same distractions and really focus on what was going on around us that we've been maybe ignorant to blind to and maybe question the next path for ourselves and what we really believe in and, and what we want to bring to this world because we're chasing, especially Americans, right? We're always chasing the next best thing and it can be very distracting. And this year, at least for myself, the biggest takeaway I've had from it is how much we need each other. We need connection. We need communication. We need empathy. My God, we need empathy. Mm -hmm. And we all saw that this year because we were all missing our friends and family we couldn't connect and yet we still had our phones. We still hopefully not in all situations had jobs and, and demands outside of our personal life. But the thing we all missed was each other. And mm-hmm. so connection is key. And I hope that it's something that all the issues that we've allowed to sit and maybe be buried for a while, that this is going to open communication and again, empathy for others, but also make us respect how much, we need each other. Another mic drop moment. Thank you <laughs> for sharing that. I, I can relate that to that completely. I think this year was like horrible in a lot of ways, but also amazing in a lot of ways because it just gave us all a different perspective that we, I think, as a world needed. Yeah. I mean, bit. we're yeah. social creatures. And even when we still had all the distractions, we still need each other. And when when the world hits the fan what did we miss the most was each other. So that's something that I hope to take from this year. I just think that there was a lot of loneliness and sadness that came out of last year, um, which makes me want to look at myself and the people around me and, and make sure that that is not repeated once life goes back to quote unquote, a new normal. Amazing. Elise, before you go, can you just tell everyone where they can find you, your makeup website, if that will be up eventually and all that good stuff? Yeah. So I'm online. I don't think I've posted since November. I'm on on the World Wide Web. (laughs) I'm on the Instagram. Um, It's E-L-Y-S-E, Elise Michelle underscore M-U-A. And I am going to be back to social media. I just kind of took a break this year and listened to other people. I I just didn't find any joy in posting most of the time. Um, So now that I'm in a better headspace, I'll be back on a lot more often. And when the website Glamourgrasp goes back up, it will be first announced on Instagram. So y'all will know about it. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing so much of yourself and being so open like you always are. But thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you and this back sweat that is just dripping. Yeah. Down. Sorry. I didn't know we were going to get there, but we went there. Oh, but, yeah. we always do. I, mean, I loved it. Sister wives for yeah. life, right? For life. <laughs> but I will Only say us will before you end this, I'm so stinking proud of you because you have had oh, some challenges you. doing this podcast. Yeah. But you're killing it. I'm proud of you. Thank you. You're welcome. We try. Proud of you too. <laughs> All right. Love you. Love you too. 
Thanks for being here. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> That is all she wrote for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, take that deep breath, have a great day, and take time for yourself. Share this one with your friends and give some five stars. Love you. Bye.